This is episode number 38 with artist Ori Bengal. Welcome to American Snippets, your source for inspirational, motivational, and selfless stories and interviews from exceptional people across the nation. And now, here's your hosts, Barb Allen and Dave Brown. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to American Snippets. My name's Dave Brown, real estate investor, lifestyle entrepreneur, business coach, and co-host of the American Snippets podcast, along with my partner and fiance, author, speaker, Barbara Allen. Our goal each week is to bring you an inspiring story or exceptional person who is living, defending, or promoting the American dream. And our guest today is an artist. His name is Ori Bengal. Uh, he's living his dream, but it wasn't always that way. Uh, I've been following Ori for quite some time now on Facebook, watching his artwork and uh, following him on his journey uh, along the way. And ever since Ori was a, a kid, he always loved to draw. But nobody ever told him that he could be an artist. No one ever told him that he could have a future in it or even a career doing it. So it never crossed his mind. He was creating art his whole life, but he had a heartbreaking experience one day at an art show, and that changed everything for Ori. In fact, he gave up art for 10 years, and it was only after a six-year couchsurfing adventure and a trip to Maui that Ori quickly realized that art is what he was put on this planet for. It took him 10 years to figure out what his life's purpose was, but since then, he's been creating a piece of art every single day for the last six years. That's over 2,100 pieces. Ori's story is a reminder that we should all find and pursue our deepest passions. And in that journey, we will discover our purpose. So without further ado, here's myself with artist Ori Bengal. Hey, everyone. Welcome to American Snippets. Thank you so much for being on today's show. Uh, Today, we have a very special guest. He's an artist. Uh, His name is Ori Bengal. And um, I've been following Ori for a number of years now on social media, uh, watching the artwork that he's been doing. He does some incredible work. It's a, a passion of his, uh, and it's actually his purpose. It's the reason why he uh, is has been put on this earth. Um, but it, he didn't always know that. It took him some time to, to realize that. Uh, but now he knows that, that that's what he's meant to do. And he's been doing it every day, creating a piece of art, Every day for the last six years, seven years now, I think, right? We're going on uh, your seven. I'm, I'm entering my seventh year in, in April. So I'm at, I think, 2,172 days as to today. Awesome. Give or take a day or two. I, I Google it. I'm not the greatest of math anymore. <laughs> so one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show, Ori, was to talk about your, your purpose, right? And how it took you some time to. You always, you were always passionate about art, but it took you some time to discover that that's what you were meant to do. And I thought it'd be a great lesson, um, to be able to share that with our audience. You know, people who are struggling with, you know, following their passion, figuring out what their purpose is, why they were put here. And sometimes it doesn't happen. You know, you don't realize it or discover it right away. Sometimes it takes time. And a perfect example of this, um, you know, is your journey to, discovering what your purpose is. So tell us a little about yourself. Currently, I think you reside in Austin, Texas, correct? I, I just moved here. Uh, part part of my story is, uh, I mean, I, I travel a lot in my life. Like I came to the USA from Israel on my ninth birthday and uh, I learned to watch English. Uh, I learned to speak English by watching cartoons, uh, which might explain a lot. <laughs> and uh, 
lived in South Florida for about 20 years, then uh, gave away my stuff, went on a road trip to find where I want to renew my lease next. That ended up being six full years, um, and uh, I ended up being in Austin. Then Austin got a little too big for its bridges. There's all of a sudden like, a ton of traffic and uh, no more parking available. And so I was like, you know what? Let's go to other direction. And I went to middle of nowhere, Georgia. So I had no issues with parking or traffic, but it also took 40 minutes to go to the store. So after a year, I decided, you know what? I've had enough quiet. It's time to go the other way. Uh Bounce back around Northern Cali, Tucson, Arizona, Southern Cali, Phoenix. And then um, most recently, I was like, you know what? I've, I've been a lot of places, but I think Austin's the one that feels like home, even with more traffic and lack of parking. And so I moved back here. Also, uh, in 2012, I had imported my little brother uh, from San Francisco to Austin, and he has really thrived here. So part of it also was just I miss having family around. Sure, sure. Um, Family's so, important. Uh, oh, it gets to, to get to family a little bit. You, you said so. You were nine years old when your parents came over from from Israel. Oh, when they brought us over, yeah. So you were nine. You were born in Israel. Yes, sir. And how old was your brother? Is he? I got two brothers. My older okay. brother was fourteen months older than me. Uh, he is now forty-two. I'm forty-one at the moment, and my younger brother is 35 he is six years younger than i am and so uh, so do you remember do you remember a lot about israel like when you're growing um, up there what do you so mean? i remember some you know like i still have um uh, the occasional dream where i'm running around in the neighborhood you know where i was growing up but we visited my my older brother is living there right now he's taking a mini retirement taking uh a year in Israel and then a year in Italy. And um, so we were visiting and nothing looks like it did when, when I left. So um, the, the place that I remember is not really the place that is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I still remember some, I speak the language. I, I still, uh, you know, thank goodness for the internet. Now I can listen to, uh, Israeli music much more easily without having to wait for an uncle to come visit or anything like that. When's the last time you were you went back or have you? Oh, it's uh, not this. Was it last year? I think it was last year. Either last year or the year before. We went for my uncle's seventieth birthday and um, spent a couple weeks there. Okay, so we've had a we've had a few um, people on the show who are entrepreneurs. You know, they're following their passions, they're doing their thing, and they're also immigrants as well. Um, and a lot of them, like an uh, interview we just did with a gentleman named uh, Dmitry Kozlov, he came from Soviet Russia. Yeah. Um, and uh, he had a really rough childhood in terms of, the, you know, they lived in poverty. Um, he remembers standing on the bread lines um, just to get bread. I mean, he, his mom, you know, he had to talk his mom into like weeks just to buy him a, a chocolate bar. Because chocolate, was, candy was so ridiculously expensive, um, and then you come here, right? And everything's like, you know, right there for the taking. Everything's like instantaneous. So my question to you is, you know, knowing your parents and a little bit about Israel, you know, being born there, you know, any comparisons in terms of you know that country to this one? Any any like 
drastic uh, things that you want to point out in terms of differences yeah. or opportunity? I, I mean, the reason my parents brought us here when we were when we were kids is so that we don't go and have to like die for someone else's war, uh, you know, over whose imaginary friend is cooler, right? Um, and so. Um, yeah, we didn't have to serve in the military because we left at a young enough age. If you leave before age 13. Is that, it, so it's mandatory? Oh yeah. Initial, uh, it's mandatory draft. It's, it's definitely part of the culture. Like you finish high school, you take the big test and that's going to, it's like your placement test for where in the military you're going to be. You spend a couple years there and then usually you take the money you made and, you go and backpack through Europe or India or wherever Israelis are notorious backpackers. And, um, never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, learn something new. Imagine how your listeners must feel. Yeah. This is such an educational show. So, um, yeah, on a whole another side note, you know, I, I find it, you know, a demo- they're a democracy, right? But then you have absolutely. to serve. So, how, you know, is it really free? <laughs> you don't have full. Oh, free yeah. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, it's, it's a extremely modern, um, nation with, um, like, I mean, I haven't been back, you know, I'm sure my brother, my older brother could tell you better because he's actually like living there, but, um, you know, it, it's a very free country. Um, but that's the only caveat is you have to, you have, is that for men and women to serve in the military? Men and women, yeah. When you, yeah. when you get out of high school is generally when most people go. And, um, and then you have to keep going back every couple of years. I don't remember the exact thing, but like just to get a refresher and you're on call kind of thing until mm-hmm. certain ages. Um, it's a small place that's, you know, smaller than Rhode Island, but it's yeah. defended itself, defended itself for, you know, a very long time. Yeah. Again, everyone around it. So, you know, it, they don't really have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. So, so what did your parents do there? Um, my dad was always entrepreneurial, which, uh, kind of affected my view of the world. Um, sure. Very much like my dad. So when we left, uh, right before that, my dad was, uh, managing businesses for, for his father. Um, everything from dad, like, uh, some restaurants and also a, um, factory that, that takes, uh, old car batteries, removes the, the ledge from them and then you know, sells that lead back to the Israeli military for, you know, so they can use it for bullets and all that other good stuff they need lead for. And there was some family drama. We, we, uh, so we kind of, once we moved here, uh, one of our uncles thought it'd be, uh, you know, that he could just kind of manipulate stuff. And I don't know. Um, there was some fighting on, like, between the uncles and all that stuff. Uh, we were a little kid, so we didn't really know. Yeah. When we got here, my parents started with, um, uh, restaurants, like fast food places in the mall. Um, uh, mm-hmm. this it was at a time when childhood obesity was not like really a known factor. So I was eating up everything in sight. It was ridiculous. And, um, I guess I discovered childhood obesity for myself. Uh, but, um, 
Yeah, so they had fast food. Then he got into a closet company. Uh, then he did tile restoration. And then in, I think it was 2000, that he, um, he sold off uh, his share of the business and sort of retired, but really wanted to. Um, he loves working with computers. I got my passion for technology and computers and sci-fi from from, from my dad. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and, too, yeah. and so the, they've been doing day trading and uh, in different methods of that since. Does anyone else in your family have a like a a, a background in art or like you know is good at art? No, <laughs> I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> That is, uh, I'm definitely my own person as far as that goes. Cool, cool. So their main inspiration for coming here was basically just uh, more opportunity, right? And not having, yeah, you know, like have to they, be have to go into the military. They didn't want us to die for some ridiculous reason, and uh, also, yeah, just it's this is the land of opportunity. Um, it, you know, it, we came here in '85. I think that the United States has a very good cost of living. Um, you know, taxes are low. Um, you know, like, yeah, the medical system's not as good as many as some other countries, but it's just a great place that you, if you want to do something, you can do it here. Like, I mean, obviously, I don't fear for my life in being an artist or something. I mean, some some of my more offensive content, you know, I I love to tell jokes and bad puns and all that stuff. So yeah, maybe I have to fear for my life, but that would have been any country. No, but other, but other countries, you do anything like that. You could find yourself. (laughs) Yeah. My, my little brother and I, when when we were flying back from Israel, the most recent time, um, the flight got delayed and we had to spend a day in Turkey. And let me tell you, man, we just stayed hidden. We're like, all right, just keep a low profile. Don't yeah. attract yeah. attention to yourself. When we got there, uh, like to the country, you, you check in and, you know, the customs and stuff. Like this family was just begging, like, please just tell us where you took her and why. Like you took the mother and just split her up from this family. Uh, and people are just begging this woman, like, please, please just tell us where you just let us talk to her. Or anything. And she sent the security guards after them, like to get, get them out of her face. And then while my little brother and I are waiting, like for her to look at our passports and stamp us in, she's just telling this other guard there, she's like, mocking these people that were just there and how they were crying and we're just looking at each other like dude don't say a word it's just gonna be yes ma'am no ma'am you know and let's get you know do what we need to do to get the heck out of this country yeah yeah i mean the freedom of freedom of thought here freedom of expression i mean all those things it's just you know a a lot of us take it for granted just because we haven't traveled enough to see you know all those other places so fast forward uh 20 years from when you came here uh, when you were nine years old, you, you were living in, uh, at 29 years old, you were living in Fort Lauderdale. And yeah. you know, tell us about that experience and how, you know, those beginnings of, you know, some entrepreneurial endeavors kind of led you down to your, led you to your path, you know, that you're at now in terms of being an artist. Oh, uh, I, I was always drawing. I just, no one ever actually said, Hey, you know, you can be an artist or, Oh, Hey, your stuff's good. You know, 
might be a career in this. It never even crossed my mind. It was just one of those uh, things I was, I was always doing. I was always, um, you know, uh, I'd be buying art supplies. I'd be buying books on art, although I wasn't, I didn't have like willpower then. I, I'd start reading and then I'd be like, ah, uh, you, you know, like the, buying the book and making the finished artwork that the person who wrote the book are two different things. You know, you got to do the work. And as a child, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Um, my, I've had a lot of entrepreneurial ventures along the way, but art was always the thing that I came to, came back to. And I, I didn't realize it, that that was my thing. And, uh, I mean, in, in eighth grade, I, I sold test answers because again, uh, test, well, you know, it's, it's entrepreneurial and it also ties in with art and technology because, um, you could have the, the thing that opened the opportunity for me to, to make money in, in selling test answers was that the teacher said you could have one page of notes. Well, this is back when ink. Uh, not inkjet, inkjet printers weren't even out. Dot matrix printers were, were rulers. So you didn't have font sizes. But since my dad got into closet design, he had, uh, architectural blueprint software. And on that, you could scale your blueprint. So I took all my notes from the semester, put them all into this one blueprint and shrunk it onto one page where you practically need a magnification glass to to be able to read anything and she had like all the notes on one page i'd sell for like eight dollars ten dollars <laughs> i bought a nintendo game or two you know it wasn't right um i guess i had different goals back then <laughs> sure. and uh you know i tried washing cars in the neighborhood and mowing grass i sucked at that i wouldn't hire me you know these days I didn't have like the, the work ethic i've got now oh, um, you, were, you did some photography Oh yeah, after like the childhood stuff, yeah. Um, I got into, uh, I was always into computers. My, I got that from my dad. Um, you know, around college age, I was kind of building some of my own to supplement my, uh, my graphics desires. And, um, I, uh, had a bunch of, like in, in 96, I worked at CompUSA. I hated it, but I was getting uh, wholesale costs on computer parts, so it was worth it, you know, for a bit. Um, I got into, um, I was doing web design. I still do that on occasion. Um, the technology has definitely changed. That's that's amazing. One of the businesses actually was well, while I was couch surfing for six years, um, I actually created a course called Make WordPress Easy. Where I teach people how to, um, how to make their own websites. And, uh, yeah, I did photography. I ran a print shop. I did video editing, 3D animation, um, all different things, but they're all creative businesses. If you creative driven. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, in, in 2001, uh, I was living in South Beach in, in Miami and, this girl I was dating was like, Oh my God, you got to do an art show. Your stuff's great. I was like, well, 
she's dating me, so I don't know how good her judgment can be, you know. But but she says, no, no, you don't understand. My mom works with all these galleries. She wants to meet you. All right. Sounds qualified. Uh, I go meet the mom and say, get your stuff straight. You got to do an art show. Okay. And I didn't know how to research things back then, David, like I do now. And the internet sucked in 2001. And so I just put my feelers out and signed up for the first thing I could find. It wasn't even a real art show. It was one of those art walk things, second Saturday, first Friday, whatever. Hardly anyone showed up. Weather wasn't great. I went through all this trouble. I bought, I brought my buddy's trade show booth. Like I need a U-Haul for this. I show up and there's just a couple other people there. They got like these little card tables and some beads. And I, I brought this giant thing with these big paintings and. Put a lot of time, energy, and effort into Yeah, and I, I didn't sell anything. And being that, you know, I understood the world from the perspective of an entrepreneur, like, well, I tried this. I didn't sell anything. Therefore, I must not be an artist. And I stopped making art for 10 years. Man. Um, and it wasn't until my couch surfing journeys that, um, towards the end of it, actually, in like late 2011, I went to Maui and my buddy took me to all these galleries there, um, like right before we came back to the mainland. And I, by the, by the fourth or fifth gallery, I just felt completely heartbroken because it hit me. I was like, Oh my God, I do like art and look at all this amazing stuff. And Hey, I bet I could make stuff that's even better than half the crap in here. And then looking at the prices, cause this is like a tourist area and like, I bet these artists aren't starving either. And, um, yeah, so I was like, I, I'm going to start, I got to start doing this again. For 10 years, I stopped doing the thing that was like always my thing, regardless of business, regardless of, yeah. anyways, this is my thing that I just kept doing. And, and I, the one thing you're passionate about, the one thing you loved, right? It just, I didn't even realize it because yeah. I've always had it. But so, so the, the 10 years part, I'm pretty glad it happened. Yeah, because a it, it makes a better story for one, uh, and b it gives me the appreciation for it. I know what it feels like now, not doing my thing, and that's actually my. I'm going to do this every day. That lasted a whole two weeks. So let's dive into this a little bit deeper because you sure. and I, you and I spoke before. So you you did the art walk. Um, it was a disappointment. Didn't turn out the way you thought it was. So you you kind of gave up, right? You're like. You know, yeah. I'm not an artist. I can't make any money doing this. So what's the point, right? And it was just after, soon after that that you you went on this like you know uh, trip across America, couch surfing yeah, people. Five years later, I mean, in in the process, a journey of self discovery. Yeah, so that was 2001. I I did the flopped art show, and then um, 2006, I took off to go couch surfing. Um, it was just because my lease was expiring and I was like, oh, well, you know, where to next? And so couch surfing, is there, is that a technical term? Tell us, tell us what that means. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny that the, the girl I was, I was trying to think of a, a blog name. I was like, you yeah, know, this would be kind of cool. I can, I can blog about this. And, and the girl I was dating. Kind it sounds of, like maybe like a, like a movie, like Bill and Ted's couch surfing adventures or something. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, so, so couch surfing is, 
so the girl I was dating was like, oh, why don't you call it couch surfing across America? And I was like, wait, no. I'm like, I really like this word, couch surfing. I'm just going to buy couchsurfing.com. <laughs> it was taken. And I was like, what the hell? Who took this? And I, I go, I didn't even look up the who is registry, like to see who bought. I just went to the website. I saw that they had over, well over a million people on there. I was like, okay, I guess they were here first. Wow. And, um, so yeah, if there's any place that you want to visit, or even if you want to see your own backyard through new eyes, find some people to stay with. You just make a profile. You look up the area you want, and you just kind of give people the the dates of when you're thinking of going, and you try to find someone that you think would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and and the cool thing is that you're so what it is basically is that you're staying with people for free. You try to be a good guest. I mean, I, I offer jokes, stories, I brought photography through couchsurfing.org, couchsurfing.com, and many of the the newer sites that have come since. It's basically like Airbnb, you know, like but but free. Yeah. And, um, sometimes and you actually, and they're there. I mean, you actually, let you pretty much living yeah. with them. Um, I mostly did it freestyle. I didn't reuse really the website much. Yeah. Um, my website was couchsurfingori.com and I had like a little animated version of me for my business cards and, um, it was amazing. I mean, it was, it was you stayed awesome. with some, some really high level people too along the way too. I stayed with some UFC cage fighters, the CEO of zappos.com, Tony Shea, uh, best selling wow. authors. Uh, tell me about, tell me about that. Uh, the CEO of Zappos. What was, how was that? What, well, how was that experience, and and what did you get from from staying with them? Did you any piece a was, or piece of information that you got that really impacted you? Um, I I'd say the the journey as a whole transformed me way more than any one person that I stayed with. Uh, a lot of times it wasn't even the the people; it was having time without things beeping at me, you know, without distractions, just driving across for like 14 hours a day or whatever. And I listened to a lot of audiobooks. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, what, what what did you, you know, what did uh, you do to pass the time? Uh, well, I just, I really enjoyed the driving. It was like all this new scenery. And even if you've driven uh, on a particular route before, once you, you know, when the weather changes or it's a different time of year, you get a completely different view of it. So just enjoying the scenery, thinking, having some quiet and distraction-free time is so rare these days. Um, but I, I did, I was absolutely addicted to audiobooks and. And I love that because, you know, we talked about audiobooks before and I'm, I'm a big fan of audiobooks myself. And, you know, they, they say, Five years from now, you'll be the same person you are today, except for the people you surround yourself with and the books that you read, right? But now, because of technology, we can plug in an audiobook, listen to it in the car while we're walking, running, working out, whatever, and it's a great way to to for self improvement, education, get better. Well, the The first time that I I'd, I'd heard it was um, the the saying uh, is by Zig Ziglar. He he calls it the university on wheels. And now okay. Zig Ziglar has passed away. He was a motivational speaker. For those who's not known, so 
when he talks about he talks about audio cassettes that that tells you how long ago this was but but at the time but, he said depending that, on what car you have you might still be able to listen to an audio cassette but yeah. like um, but um so he said that uh if you have a standard commute half an hour to work half an hour back you know 50 weeks out of the year five days a week well basically if you if you have a standard commute an hour a day um you know uh five five days out of the week uh 50 weeks out of the year and you listen to audiobooks that whole time within three years you will have gotten the equivalent of a two-year college education well i mean there's many days where i was driving eight hours 10 hours 14 hours i think my record was 22 hours in one day i had to get from uh so you're basically you're basically dr ori oh uh, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um I, I don't have a particular degree in anything, but I, I'm very good at solving problems in any genre, whether physical, business, personal. Uh, I think that art is problem solving in, a, in many senses. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the cool thing was that since I was staying with people and people knew I was excited about audiobooks, people would often load my, my iPod. That was a thing back then uh with with their collection they're like oh what are you listening to now here and and a lot of it was not just audiobooks like what you might find on audible a lot of it was uh you know the the courses that you might buy at a uh at a conference you know here's this course on this kind of marketing or that kind of marketing and and i mentioned internet marketing uh i mean that's kind of the world that we know each other through but uh a I got into that world. Uh, I discovered that on the road as well. Um, and I, I really liked that world because there's a lot of people who appreciated their, their freedoms and were kind of self-made. You know, a lot of people will buy a course. It's, it's not like, Oh, I went to school for this. It's, you know, Oh, I had this job. I didn't like it. I bought this course because I wanted to change and. Mm -hmm that they had to implement. So it means you have to get through a lot of the mental barriers, a lot of the fears and, and would you say would you say your couch your couch surfing experience or your parents wanting to strike it out on their own and, and go after the American dream attributed more to your your entrepreneurial spirit and being an artist and being self made? Which which impacted you greater or maybe both equally? You know, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I think that my couch surfing went so well and for so long because it was an adventure. I think I'm wired for uh, adventure. Like my old business card used to say adventurer, um, web guy, adventurer, photographer. And I had on one side, I'm sitting there with a suit doing the thinker pose. On the other side, um, like, um a rena like a Renaissance I, man, right? <laughs> well, on the, on the other side, yeah, I had like four lingerie models ripping my shirt off while I'm holding <laughs> the camera and my hair is all braided and like. I think road. I've seen that picture, yeah. And the cool thing was that people would, would collect that card. Like, I had people, I'd go to a conference and people would get my card, then they'd track me down, be like, have your card. I'm like, wait, I already gave you one. They're like, yeah, someone else took it. And it's like, what? And the funny thing is, I was just having fun, but other, um, 
other people saw as inspiration to, you know, like to actually hear someone who's doing what they actually want to instead of just suffering at a day job that they hate or whatever. Yeah. And I think that that's, I don't think that it was my couch surfing or my parents being entrepreneurial. I think like, I think we're all just wired a certain way. Um, I tell bad jokes. Like I urge people not to bring me to funerals or anything too serious because I will be telling jokes. Like, I mean, I'm getting a little better at having a little filter now that I'm older, but not that much. And, um, you know, that's part of my charm. Um, I, and so I'm, I'm stubborn. I've always done things my own way. I think that possibly, you know, my parents bringing us here, um, well, that was so that we could pursue our dreams and opportunities and not have to die in the military. I think that that helped me, um, kind of get used to adventures because like oh wow you know we flew on a plane with at nine on a you know getting the window seat and like flying from one country to another yeah, um, i mean that was an adventure in and of itself i mean yeah sure. absolutely but it was it was it was at that point like knew everything right like the different we're living in a different place the culture is different the language is different i mean it, it it sucked too because you know kids are mean and i didn't know the language and all this other stuff but I, I think it got me used to being able to create new beginnings right and so i mean i had to learn a new language i had to adapt to a new culture sure. when i went to couch surfing uh, that was like i'm staying with new people every day every week right i'm i'm going to different cities i'm just i mean and that i don't know if that um i, I think i was entrepreneurial way before that um probably because that's what my dad was but i think mostly just because i'm really stubborn i don't like alarm clocks and uh i'm good at optimizing things so every job that i have i improve the workflow but you know, a lot of times people don't like that. A lot of times, like, no, this is how we do things because this is how we have done things. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't actually like sit there and evaluate. Well, are we trying to actually improve things? Yeah. And so, yeah, I've never been, I think it's what Dan Kennedy calls serially unemployable. I'd, I'd rather be working for myself. Yeah. And, I'm, in that, uh, I'm in that same category, my friend, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So at yeah. the end of your couch, couch surfing, you know, journey. You landed in in Maui, and you've Ooh, rediscovered no. rediscovered your love. I mean, you were heartbroken once you yeah. realized that. Uh, yeah, what, what I've been, what I've been doing for the ten years, I've been doing what I what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah, well, it was just it's just a it, it hit me like how silly it was. It was like, wow, I just tried something once and it didn't go the way I wanted. Thankfully. I was a little bit more determined when it came to learning to walk because I hear I didn't get that the first try either. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it's, it really is that silly. Uh, I tried something once. I didn't know what I was doing. It's not like I researched how do you do an art show and all that. 
it just didn't go the way I, I expected. And so I was like, well, I guess I'm not an artist. After 10 years. Yeah. So, yeah, I felt heartbroken. I said, all right, I'm going to do this every day. And that ended up lasting a whole two weeks. And then the next year, in April of 2012, I went to uh, this place in Chicago called Lifebook where you sit there for four days with no internet, no cell phone, and you just think about what do you want, what don't you want in your life. And when it came to what don't I want, I remember that feeling of heartbreak that I had in Maui, and I was like, well, I definitely don't want that in my life. And I said, so what's, what's the strategy? What's the plan? And um, one of the things that I, I've learned that is the equivalent of a superpower is accountability. It, and there's different forms of accountability. I, I've got like, I got six back out. I don't have them at the moment, but the, the one time I did it, I was like, huh, oh, I've never had six pack abs. Oh, I know. I'll just, I'll go for it. And, uh, I posted on Facebook that I'm going for six pack abs by my birthday. It was July at the time. My birthday is in December. And so each week I would post my accountability photo on Facebook, a photo of me with no shirt and a picture of the scale. And it really sucked because I didn't want to be posting those pictures because I wasn't at where I wanted to be. But this kept me accountable because it showed people where I was. And if I wasn't, you know, if I looked fatter next week, I'd hear about it. And so I actually reached my goal and I couldn't believe it. It was being accountable to a friend and my clients who had already purchased my course, which is how I completed my Make WordPress Easy course. And so I was like, all right, what's my plan? I'm going to leverage accountability. And, and, pub- and public accountability, accountability is super public, public accountability. Yeah. yeah. So I just, I wrote, I'm, I'm just going to post to Facebook that, Hey, I'm going to do a new drawing every day. I figured somewhere out there, some jerk that's just waiting to go, ha ha. Uh, I knew you couldn't do it, but man, that poor jerk's going to be bored by now. I mean, it's been six years, almost seven. And, um, you know, since then, Drawing has become painting, has become sculpting and carving, yeah. and welding. Like, uh, and now I've got a, you know, book. Uh, and this, this one's a prototype. Actually, uh, I, the really funny thing, David, is that I, uh, I've been doing this for so long, but it was only in early February that I actually was like, Hey, it just hit me. I actually identify as an artist who happens to have a lot of marketer friends because before I just identified as a marketer who just happens to make art every single day. And I was like, no, I, I'm definitely an artist. Like this is, this is definitely what I say now. People are like, oh, what do you do? And, and so I started I'm like, well, if I identify as an artist, I'm like what, what's different? What's, you know, well, Let's let's go be an artist. So I I've started hanging out with other artists and going to gallery shows and putting my stuff in in um in galleries and it's been fun. Um. So how did how did the, your marketing background impact your art? Well, that is the gift. The marketing is is the gift in the. Um, from those 10 years of not doing art. 
is I got a lot of different skills from that. One of them was internet marketing. And this is something that I think that children should be taught, you know, before they're taught history, like just you're in grade school, start learning copywriting, not A is for Apple, but, you know, uh, like S is for SEO. And uh, uh, it, it's, it's, I am very fortunate. I, I tell people in that I'm, I'm fortunate that I succeeded as a marketer before I succeeded as an artist because um, this it changes everything. It's a superpower of sorts, um, not just for yourself, but and you know, but rather for for other people. It, it's amazing how many people don't actually know what they're doing when it comes to running a business or to to getting results. When I say artists, one of the first things that people think of is starving artists, right? We got that, that whole genre more than, more than with most other industries or professions, occupations. So you, you don't hear starving real estate artists or real estate artists, agents, uh, you know, starving restaurateurs. Uh, yeah, there's, there's success and failure in every single industry, but artists have that like, branding like stigma almost yeah stigma yeah and and the reason is because they're really great at making their particular art but not great at marketing and um so i'm i'm having a giveaway for example and uh it starts april 22nd if people want to sign up now they they can they'll be no, they'll get the notification the giveaway is to for your book right uh, your art book well I'm, I'm actually giving away a couple of things i i hate those things you know where like there's only one winner and then it's like ah they don't want to enter so i'm i'm giving away um doing the i'm giving away five of the books uh and this is this is just the prototype the the final one's actually like bigger i went to the library to their oversized book section just oh cool, to, cool. Oh, it was, that was so much fun. Like, I'm like, whoa, I'm trying to take selfies. I went twice because I took pictures of those books next to my book. And I was like, when, when you look at it as a photo, you just, you just don't get the reference for the size. And so I was like, let me go back again and I'll do, I'll do selfies. And some of these books are so huge. They couldn't even fit in the picture. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't have a selfie stick or anything. I was like, all right, that's too big, but it was, it was definitely fun. Um, but um, yeah, I'm excited to to see the final version of it. Oh, you and me both. <laughs> uh, well, the, the final version isn't going to the printers until April 22nd because right. that's the start of year seven, and so there's still a couple of pictures in year six to make, and that might be good enough to you know for the book. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm I'm definitely working, so it, it's going to be bigger, like. Thicker pages, thicker paper, larger pages, more pages. Awesome. But but the the giveaway, which is over at, um, I'm giving away a large custom whatever you want painted, forty inches by seventy inches, which is huge. Um, there's that's a grand prize. If you don't have that kind of wall space, I'll do two smaller ones. Um, I'm also giving away a four uh, social media size. Uh, so just digital portraits. Uh, so, you know, you can have like a really unique profile picture mm -hmm. and also a couple of the books themselves as well. Yeah. Awesome. And, but, but marketing is, is what's making this possible. 
So I'm not, a lot of people go, oh, I need to make an art book. Actually, I'm not sure a lot of people say that, but a lot of people say, I'm going to do a book, right? And uh, for whatever reason. And, you know, we think that that's the hard part. No, it's, in fact, that's, that's why publishers will give you an, an advance if you can prove that a lot of people are going to want to purchase your book. Like, because publishers don't actually do much promotion and sales for you. Yeah. They didn't get to the bookstores, but if you show that you have a platform, like Gary Vaynerchuk, for example, had his wine library TV, sure. he had a huge following. You know, when you can show that you've got an eager audience, it's, it's pretty safe to assume that if you put out a book, you're going to get a lot of sales. So he can get an advance very easily. Whereas someone who may be smart, may be brilliant and, and may know their stuff, but doesn't have a platform, doesn't have an audience, they may not be able to get an audience, uh, an advance at all. Yeah. It's all based on how much sales you can do, how much marketing you can do. And I know you have a pretty big audience because you leverage Facebook. I mean, you, you know, you I interact, have- you interact with your fans and the people that follow you by, Having them, you know, help you, you know, give titles to your art, uh, things like that. So it's very engaging. And I know the people that have been following you have been following you for quite some time and are, are, are engaged with each piece of art that you post on social media. So, you know, that's Absolutely. your platform. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love social media. Uh, it's actually, uh, the majority of my art sales comes through social media. Um, although obviously now that's, that's going to change, but you're, you're asking about the marketing. So I said, I'm having a giveaway and people can sign up at gifts.theartofori.com. And, um, the, the way that one works is, you know, it's leveraging stuff I've learned within marketing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's leveraging the product launch formula, right? People put in their name and email address and then they're going to get like free videos that kind of tell them a little bit who I am, why this book is cool. Um, stuff that I wouldn't be able to, that they might not pay attention to if I was just had it all, all on that one page. Uh, a sales page is, you know, the marketing term and I know how to do copywriting. I know how to explain why this book is a great investment or why it's, you know, inspiring and all that stuff. And when you, when you sign up for the giveaway, you get a magic link. You share your link. Anytime someone signs up using your link, you get 10 more tickets. So your odds of winning go up. And, uh, you know, I'm leveraging, uh, joint venture partners and affiliates, basically. I'm not an affiliate system on this particular one. This, I'm just trying to get the word out about the sure. giveaway, but. But I have friends that have large uh, mailing lists of clients and subscribers. Like my buddy Mark is sending it out to 160,000 people. Nice. You take that, that viral aspect of the giveaway, that software, and plug a couple hundred thousand people into that. They're each going to share, you know, to all their social media people because uh, they want to win, you know, right. a custom painting that would cost $5,000 or the book or whatever, um, and they're going to share it. And then the people seeing it are going to share it. And I'm running Facebook ads and Instagram ads to the contest as well. You know, it's that's much different than if you build it, they will come. Yeah. 
Um, and, you know, is through my experience in marketing, I mean, that's why this is going starting on April 22nd, because I've learned in copywriting that you have reason why advertising, right? Well, I'm doing this to celebrate my seventh year of, and that's why it's that date. Um, I'm doing this because, not because of the marketing, but I'm, I am doing this because, like I said, I just realized that um, I now identify as an artist. So yeah. I've got to own it. And that's why um, the book's going to be bigger and thicker and have more art. Um, this one I just made because I do so many different things and so many different styles. And people are like, oh, what kind of stuff do you do? Like, no one believes you when you try to describe everything that's in here, but then you show them the book and people are like, you did all of this. Like, you did yeah. so good. Yeah, that's, that's why I have a book. Yeah, but and now, I, I went through some of, from that, some of the book and you have some great paintings in there, some amazing stories that go with those paintings. You know, I know you, um, you know, you think paintings are more than just a pretty picture. You know, I know you have a lot of clients who commissioned your artwork who, you know, you've really impacted them through through the art that you've done. Uh, I know you you have a personal story yourself um, that was really, uh, you know, touched, touched you in terms of your grandmother. And so you want to share that story real quick? Yeah. Um, so back to Israel again. Um, and so I was in Georgia. I mentioned that. 2014 to 2015 and my parents call me up and say hey we're we're flying to israel tomorrow like wow that's that's kind of short notice and they're like yeah you're, you're we just found out your grandma's got cancer and it's bad like really bad like she might not be alive by the time we land whoa all right um well you know i'll be here if you need me and um we we use WhatsApp as our phone app, uh, especially while we're in international places. You can you know send text, photos, little voicemails. Um, kind of our family communication platform now. And um, so my my parents are in Israel. They're spending time in the hospital, hanging out with grandma. Their friends are coming to visit them. You know, at the hospital. And my older brother says, "Hey." You know, you, you do art every single day anyways. Why don't you make something for grandma? Well, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. Now, I had bounced around so much. All my photo albums are, are back at my, my parents' place in Northern Cali. And, uh, I haven't seen grandma in like a decade. So I don't have any photos of her. I don't remember exactly what she looks like. I know she's aged a lot. Like each time I'd seen her, she's, you know, she's in her nineties and stuff now. Um, and so I did remember that when we were kids, she, she'd always take us, she'd always take us hiking on, uh, she was part of this nature conservancy groups and so there's a lot of nature stuff. I remember that. And she always makes us wear hats. Like there's this hat. I don't know what it's called in America, but in Israel, the translation literally is stupid hat. And, um, <laughs> um, silly hat, moron hat. I don't know, something like that, but you know, it's, that's, that's what it's called. And my grandma would always try to make us wear these things. When you were like, 
but Grandma, we're going to a water park. Like, we're going to be on water slide. So tie the hat on. We're like, okay, Grandma. And you just leave with a hat and you take it off like two minutes afterwards. But, uh, um, but I remember the hat thing. So I painted, I painted two children wearing shorts and tank tops and these hats and an older lady, you know, wearing one of those hats and all khakis and we were by a river. And, and that's what I sent. And I sent it on WhatsApp, like what my brother suggested, but my parents were sitting by her bedside. So I sent it to them. They showed it to my grandma and they called me up and they left me a little message. They're like, yeah, grandma saw it. She lit right up. Like, I mean, she was, she was tired and low on energy and all this stuff, you know, obviously from the cancer and all that stuff they were doing to her. But, but she saw this and it energized her. She lit right up. She's smiling. She's like, I know exactly what that is. And she's smiling. And then they took her into chemo and she never came out. And so this was like the, the last thing my grandma saw. She went into chemo basically. The last time anyone saw her, she had a smile on. And, you know, it's wow. That's it's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I didn't know. Like, I, I think that's the first time I was able to actually tell that story and like not like start crying. Uh, it's it's just weird, like knowing that you've got the the power to do something like that. Um, but well, but you know, Ori, that's a, I mean, it's a great way to kind of wrap this up because I think anyone who looks at your artwork or when they get a chance to get your your art book and kind of go through or follow you on Facebook and see the art that you're publishing on a daily basis, that's exactly what it does. I mean, it puts a smile on your face. I know it does for me. And having that's a superpower, you know, being able to impact someone like that, make them smile, you know, just give them a little, you know, a little boost for the day. I mean, that's, you know, doesn't get any better than that, man. Well, you know, a, a lot of my stuff is goofy. Like I'm a, I'm a happy go lucky kind of guy. Um, you know, when, when things go bad, I break out with the jokes. When things are good, I break out with the jokes. But, yeah. uh, but it's not all goofy, you know, like I, I'm, really moved by like sad art um and, but it, it's a form of communication i had someone break into my car uh last week two weeks ago they stole a bunch of stuff uh i was pissed but i didn't want a pity party so i didn't post on facebook boohoo someone broke in my car i didn't want the constant reminders of people yeah. were going, oh i'm sorry and then i have to think about the car again i'm like man so I just painted a sad Ori, and I just posted the Facebook. <laughs> I, I didn't say anything about it other than got a title for my latest painting. Yeah, and I got to communicate my thing, but I didn't. And people will interpret that the way they, you know, interpret it at that moment in time I, that they're looking at it. Yeah, there's like there's so many different stories about how it's it's become personal. Like what I've been doing recently is uh, I've really enjoyed unveiling. Uh, Paintings. I got a little easel. So, um, digital marketer, Perry Belcher, Ryan Dice, and Roland Frazier, they have, uh, their $30,000 a year mastermind called War Room. And I went to War Room, uh, and, and did an unveiling for, for Ryan Dice. Anyone who's ever seen Ryan present at Traffic and Conversion or any of the other things, he, he tells a story of, you know, why he got in internet marketing. And for those of you who don't know, Ryan, Ryan Dice has moved many hundreds of millions of dollars of both products, 
training products and all that. And so he has literally changed the lives of thousands upon thousands of people. But the reason he got started is he met this girl when he was in college. He knew that she was the one. And so he just wanted to figure out this marketing thing, like this online thing, so that the payments on the ring would be taken care of, you know, like automated in an automated method. And so he could propose to her. And, you know, obviously since then he's made way more than just to, to, to cover the, the ring. But, but the way he tells the story is he always has the slide of what he calls Millennium Man, like the day they met. Um, she was in a sorority and he had shown up there. I think he was at a costume con- uh, party before. And so he had actually made his own costume. It was like this blue, shorts with a blue shirt and like he took a silver tape and put a big m across it and he called millennium man and so there's this photo of him and emily's got her head resting on his shoulder and there's like eight other sorority girls there and so ryan says like yep that was the epitome of my coolness everyone sees this like wow ryan you're so cool you and like nine girls but i saw it and i was like huh you know, he's always telling that story, and this is the photo from the day they met, but it's got like eight other people in it. So I took just Ryan and Emily, and the photo is, you know, it's from the 90s, so it's only like photo size. It's mm-hmm. like grainy, it's not like this one. I took it, and since I'm not restricted by the colors, the lighting, or anything, I made like a 30 by 40 inch painting of it, and what? it's just him and her. So now after like 20 years after they they met, they finally have a picture from the day they met of just the two of them. That's awesome. You know? And and I got to do like a big unveiling in front of everyone. I put it on easel and I had covered in like crushed velvet. I wrote like a little speech, like where the actual unveiling was timed through it. And that's been really fun to do. I mean, like seeing like an entire audience i've had the audiences of like you know sometimes 10 people sometimes 300 people and like people laugh and it's kind of like public speaking meets art and 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 now all these people you know a bunch of these people get to to go hey in my picture my painting is like immortalized in this book now so it's it's kind of it's awesome yeah it's been life-changing for sure yeah i'm happy for you man and, and your journey and you you know, rediscovering your passion and, and art and the impact you're making, you know, stories that you, you're telling. And it's just great. And I look forward to, you know, following you more and, and seeing you on, you know, what, what, what you unveil next. Uh, you and me both, man. Uh, <laughs> I tell you, um, the, if you take a step back, you know, part of the reason is that I, I refuse to miss a day. Obviously, like, it took 10, 10 years off. So I've got to make up for that time. Sure. Yeah. Also, that's like part of my story now. Like, I, you know, it'd be, be silly to go, Oh yeah, I did it every day for six years. Then I took a couple of days off and then I, you know, so I, I can't, I can't take a day off. But, uh, and part of the reason also is that people keep messaging me about how it's inspired them to, you know, some people it's been art, some people to music, some will in electronics, like by, by following your, own passion you're giving other people permission to follow theirs yeah absolutely 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, real quick, we have a, uh, to end this out, we got a lightning round. All right. Okay. So these are fast questions, uh, and answers, uh, advice to your 22 year old self. Um, you know, everything turns out great. So just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, but if I had to like start listening to audiobooks, I, that, that absolutely changed my life. Uh, so I would definitely drop a hint about that. Uh, audiobooks and probably, <laughs> and yeah, I, I'd probably tell myself like go, go study internet marketing. Uh, start doing art every single day. You know, but 22 years old, wait, so I was like 20 years ago, 98, oh, start buying up Google ads because no, and, and get Google stock, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Forget about Yahoo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Time travel is, is tricky, you know, you don't get that, but, but absolutely audiobooks and, and like ruining the surprise. Hey, guess what? You know what? You're an artist. Run with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, who would you, um, who do you want to, if you could pick anyone that you'd like to meet who's alive, who would you like to meet and why? Richard Branson. Uh, that guy is so cool. He is, um, he is a living example that you can have a sense of humor and do things your way and still succeed. You know, he's, he's a, uh, he's one of the wealthiest people in the world. And he's got a sense of humor, you know, when, when, uh, when British airways that, that like, if you read his books, you, you hear they, they were playing really dirty trying to put out Virgin Airlines. And, uh, and he still had a sense of humor about it. So when they had a, a plane that was like a new plane that had all the press there for the initial inaugural flight, but the, the, the front wheel wouldn't go up. And so while they were stuck there, Branson phoned in one of his Virgin airships. And so a blimp flies over this plane with a banner that says, BAA can't get it up. And uh, <laughs> he does stuff like that all the time. And I, you know, you, you, I was told, a lot of people told, you know, like that business is, is stuffy. You got to wear a suit. You got to go to a meeting. Yes or no, sir. And he's doing stuff like that. So yeah, not anymore. It's not like that. That's for sure. So this is a, a, a a question that we're really passionate about here because we believe the American dream is alive and well, right? Everyone in this country has the opportunity to create the life that they want to live. Um, coming from someone who came from Israel, you know, your parents came from Israel, you're an immigrant. Um, what does the American dream, you know, mean to you as an artist? I, you know, I, I don't think it says, I'm an artist now. You know, who knows, 10 years from now, maybe I'll figure Something else. I mean, I certainly like to think I'm going to keep going with this, obviously, after this many days in a row and all that. And I love yeah. it. Um, but you never know. And, and that's, that is the American dream. That is that you can, um, do what you want, you know, with, without getting lynched or anything else. I mean, you might. I mean, there's obviously, it's pretty easy to offend people these days, but, but you have the freedom to pursue whatever opportunities you want. You hear all these success stories. Someone that came over here with like nothing but the shirt on their back and, you know, ended up becoming a billionaire or whatever. And yeah, you know, it's not even all about money. It's just that 
you have the ability here to believe in what you want. My older brother is gay. He's married now, you know, so him and his husband and their daughter are now traveling the world just a couple of day, uh, a couple of years, a year in Israel, a year in Italy, just so their daughter gets to grow up in the places they grew up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of places where obviously they would have been like stoned to death or things yeah. like that. Crazy um, to think about. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, I smoke weed on occasion. There's places <laughs> in the world where, you know, we get killed for that. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's just, I, whether my, my older brother is, is very corporate. He's CFO material. My younger brother, I got him into the world of internet marketing. He yeah. is, uh, he is now a copywriter. Um, but my, my parents now live in Northern Cali. They do day trading. It's, the fact that whether you want to, you know, like my dad's journey, whether you want to be mechanical engineer, you want to be like, you don't have your your job chosen for you. Granted, you got to deal with like the people you know, and that that can be like the the scary thing for people. Okay, right? You got to deal with your own interferes. Ooh, I want to be an artist, but you know. As my parents kept reminding me, but you know, you could make more money just working at McDonald's because you know, at first I didn't have consistency of sales and all that. Yeah, it's like, yeah. and there's days where it hits you like, wow, I that's right, I probably could just go for a job at McDonald's or something or Best Buy, but you you have the freedom to live where you want, how you want, uh, and do what you want. Yeah, right? I mean, it's it's you know, life liberty and the pursuit of happiness i mean it you know it, it really that. it really is that you know and, and you don't have to like necessarily hide who you are like you yeah. gotta deal with people still but um i'm i'm a happy person like just about every single day but a i get to do my art every day but b I don't, I don't hide who I am. I, I tell my horrible jokes on Facebook. I know they're not funny half the time, you know, but let me go get them. And we, we can, we can, if we don't like, you know, what the president is doing, we can say something about it. That's right. If we like it, we can say something about yeah. it. If use our religion. I mean, this, this kind of, privacy this kind of freedom has never really existed in history before and you know i i think enjoy it while it lasts um you know i'm I'm not sure it's always going to be like this and uh i think you know we'll be able to tell children down the line about how it used to be back in 2018 i think it's uh it's our duty folks like you folks like me who understand how powerful this is to keep that alive, you know, and yeah. so, you know, I'm optimistic that not only will this continue, it'll only improve. Um, you know, we live in a great opportunity land of opportunity. The opportunities I think are greater now more than ever. And I hope they continue to, you know, to, you know, to be that. So look, where can people find you? Where can people hear about your, your, your jokes and follow you on Facebook and see your recent paintings, you know, tell us how, how they can get in touch with you and follow you. So, 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 uh, on most of the socials, um, at the art of Ori, uh, so that's Instagram, Twitter, um, 
Facebook slash The Art of Ori is my uh, my page. And sure, I'd definitely appreciate if you go like those. But for the best interactive Ori experience, go find my uh, personal profile, which is facebook.com forward slash Ori, O-R-I dot Bengal, B-E-N-G-A-L. That's the spot where I don't just post my, my art, but I also tell my stupid jokes and uh, interesting sci-fi and science. Those two are crossing over a lot these days. Um, articles and like um, random crazy stuff that happens to me. Awesome. Because my life, yeah, I broke up a dog fight the other day. Like, you know, it's random. <laughs> so. Well, look, I've been following Ori for a number of years. Uh, he posts some really great artwork. He's a very talented artist that you're going to definitely want to stay in tune with what he's doing and, and follow him on social media. Um, get his book when it comes out. And the only way you're going to know about that is by connecting with him on social media, getting, yeah. getting involved in his, uh, giveaway that's coming up. And, uh, Ori, I appreciate you being here on American Snippets. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you having me. Thank you for yours. All right, man. Take care. All right, everyone, that wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much to Ori Bengal for being here today uh, and sharing his story. He's got an incredible journey of finding one's purpose and just uh, a real inspiration for the rest of us in terms of, you know, doing what you love, following your passion. And along that journey, you know, you'll find your life's purpose. It might not happen right away. It took Ori 10 years to discover that, right? Uh, but it's a great example of, of what's possible. And now Ori is creating art every day, doing what he loves and creating a, a career out of it. So let Ori know what you thought about his story by heading over to americansnippets.com forward slash 038. There you can watch the interview uh, that we did with him and uh, you can read the full featured article that we did with Ori. Check out some of his artwork. We'll have links there to his social media profile, his website, and how you can pick up his new book, The Art of Ori. Uh, Ori's giving away a lot of cool prizes in a contest. So we'll have some information there on how you can get involved with that as well. So that's americansnippets.com forward slash 038. This episode is brought to you by Real Estate Worldwide. Real estate investing is something that I'm very passionate about, and it's one of the fastest and lucrative ways to achieve the American dream. But the key is having the right blueprint to follow. That's where Real Estate Worldwide comes in. The founder of this top-ranked education and software company uh, is not only a good friend, but he's a personal mentor. His name is Kent Clothier, and his company's systems and trainings have played a huge role in my success as an entrepreneur and real estate investor. The REWW Academy is hands down the premier real estate investing learning system. And Kent and I have put together a very special training for those of you who'd like to learn more. So just head over to americansnippets.com forward slash REWW. That wraps up another episode. Again, appreciate you being here. Uh, We're looking to spread our message of positivity and possibility and patriotism across this country. So please help support us in this mission by subscribing on iTunes. Uh, or on your favorite podcast, leave us a review there, tell a friend, let them know what we're doing, help us get these stories uh, out there, uh, expose them to more people, inspire more people. The more subscribers, listeners, and reviews, the more exposure we can provide uh, to our stories and to the guests that we have here at American Snippets. Finally, don't just be inspired or entertained by our guests. Let their stories ignite you into action 
in your own life. Again, we are America's Sippets. We are living, defending, and promoting the American dream. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. See you next time. 